Hey, it's Arrow. PodFest brings together three different conversations from musicians to authors, directors, doctors, environmentalists, and even cooks in their own kitchen. It's real people with real stories. PodFest 58. We kick things off with the legendary William King from the disco-driven love song-creating music machine, The Commodores. Then we're stepping into a real conversation with a man that isn't afraid to show off what's in his heart, Mr. Corbin Burnson. And our third conversation is all about cars. Christy Lee from Garage Squad. This is PodFest 58. We are unplugged and totally uncut with the great William King from the Commodores. I am doing absolutely wonderful. And how are you doing? Well, we're doing fantastic down here because we're always singing those songs that came from your mind, body, and soul, sir. Oh, God, I love it, I love it, and I love it. Thank you very much. Don't you love those moments when, when a song is really just kind of like a whispered something from your imagination, and then all of a sudden you start tinkering around with the instruments, you add in some vocals, and all of a sudden the rest the rest of us are singing right along with you? I love it. Yeah, most of mine are screaming at me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and most of mine, most of mine they wake me up in the middle of the night, and you think, oh, my God, this is the best song I've ever written. And then the next morning you play it back, you go, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of the things come for me in, in the middle of the night. And I, I literally jump up and go downstairs to my studio and actually lay, lay the basics for it. So, yeah, um, and, and, the, and the most fun of all is, is exactly what you said. It's tinkering with it, you know, getting everything the way that you want it, getting the melody Correct, getting getting the chord structure correct, um, finding the right bridge. If, if the bridge didn't come with with the, with the uh, uh, melody at night in your mind, so you have to you have to have other areas of the song to go to. So if it didn't come, you have to you know bring you know to make that up. Uh, but most of the time, most of the song just song just comes, and uh, it's just a matter then of doing the arrangement and and uh, and and most of the lyrics. That's the one thing that doesn't come uh, totally for me are the lyrics. So I have to spend time on that. But a lot of times the melody is, is, is right there. And, um, and I have to sometimes have to come up with a, a bridge that I like. But uh, yeah, that's the fun part is just tinkering around with it. I wish I would have been in the studio the very first time that you guys were laying down the tracks for Lady You Bring Me Up because in radio we used that as a post song. We were we were we could not wait until he's you know you guys came in there and said Lady You Bring Me Up. I mean it, it, there was such an energy about it. Well, let me tell you that song was actually created in my pool house. It, it was actually created in, in in my pool house. Okay, and again it was doing a lot of screaming. Um, uh, it, it was it was a song that. The, the melody was kind of like there, but the track uh, was was trying to fit the track underneath the melody line. And, uh, and so we spent probably three or four hours out there just doing that. Normally, when the song comes like that, it, it's not difficult because you, you kind of like get it. You know what I mean? They, they, everything kind of like fits together like a puzzle. But every now and then, uh, the puzzle doesn't quite fit together. And in this case, it didn't quite fit together. We had we had the lady, you know, but it was getting the track part to fit correctly up under it was, uh, I think, probably the most difficult part. But it, it all worked out, thank goodness. You know, there's been a lot of talk lately about Taylor Swift getting control of her licensing and stuff like that. You guys went through that long before any of this was taking place. I mean, and you survived, William. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, even still, you know, uh, people don't realize that the rights to to, to music. Is basically controlled by the by the uh, record companies, 
And a lot of companies demand that when you sign a contract that, that you have to give up a certain percentage of, 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 uh, of, of your music. So, you know, some people think it's a bad thing. Some people think it's a good thing. You know, it's kind of like in between for me because without doing that, you don't actually get a chance to become a record recording star. And so there's dues to pay for that. Um, but, you know, there is a limit. <laughs> so, so I don't think it should be forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the, record, yeah, the record companies make so much money when they, when they do have a hit record. So um, the bottom line is that it, it, it's a fight now for three things. It is, it is not over with yet. We, we still have a long ways to go. Wow. I was that 7 to Midnight Jock when Night Shift came into our radio station, and we were all screaming for some Commodore's music. And on this particular song, you dominated everything because there's a story here, there's a purpose to this song, and you pushed it out here for us to grab a hold of it and start talking about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. L- listen, it's, it's very few songs that... Uh, created and come about in ways in the same way that most people think they are. Okay? And I'll tell you about that song right quick. Uh, that song was uh, uh, done by uh, Walter Orange and two other people. Um, and the reason that song came out like that was because after Marvin Gaye was killed, uh, Walter, we call him Walter, uh, Clyde, could not sleep. It just worried him to death. So finally, we said, let's just write a song about it. Because we were right in the middle of recording. And he did. And that song is Night Shift. Okay? And and when they came back um, uh, with uh, the basic lyrics, and we watched them walk in with the basic lyrics, we thought, that's a hit song. But when we finished with the arrangement on that song, and that, with that mood synthesizer, we all knew that was a hit song. <laughs> we just we just felt it in our bones. <laughs> That song is also the first song that we won our, our, our Grammy with. So it means a lot to us. So there, there's always been this talk in radio that you guys grabbed your name because you opened up a dictionary and you pointed at the first word you saw. Is that true? I mean, I got you on the phone. Is that true? It's absolutely true. All right. It's absolutely true. And yeah, it's absolutely true because we wanted something like, you know, Three Dog Night or, you know, it's some, some crazy name, you know what I mean? Blood, sweat, and tears, or something. You know, just because back then, you know, you had all these creative, clear water, all that kind of stuff was going on. But it didn't work out for us. We we just came up with this Commodore. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we, 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 I don't know what we wanted, commode or something. I don't know, but anyway, whatever. It it was, uh, we we decided to keep it, and uh, that's how we got the name, yes. The song Brick House, was it always meant to be a funk tune? Because somewhere in my heart, I still would love to hear it as a jazz song. And maybe that's just, I'm, I'm a sick disc jockey. Yeah, I think you're a sick disc jockey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it almost didn't make the album. Um, because in the end, some of the guys didn't like it. And uh, so uh, Clyde went in and put a vocal on it uh, just to make sure. you Because know, he, he felt so... Uh, positive about it, and when he came out of it, putting a demo vocal on, vocal on it, he said, "Oh man, that's it, love it," and, and it made the album. You know, so all of those people that are coming to to, to, to the to, to the ship to, to hear us on the, on, the, on, the, on the on the cruise, they're going to hear Brick House because Clyde went in and did a vocal on it. Otherwise, that would never have been a Brick House. It would never have made the album. It was the last song that went on the album, the very last. So, you know, you, you never know. You know, you just never know what's going to happen. 
Well, they, people need to book that cruise. And the reason why is because there's a lot of us that have waited a lifetime just, just to get the opportunity to see you on stage. And here you guys come with that opportunity right now with that cruise. Yeah, yeah. We're, look, I'm going to tell you something. We are so looking forward to this, not only because of of the fact that they're going to be um, uh, time to perform to, to the people, but also I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of the acts again. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody on the show, you know, through the years, and I haven't seen someone like KC, I probably haven't seen. I haven't seen KC in probably 15 years, 10 or 15 years. You know, and I, I saw the Jacksons last year, so that's, that's, it's got the closest ones. Um, but Heat Wave and Sister Sledge and the Miracles and, oh my God, George McCray. I haven't seen him in probably 30 years. Uh, so it's, it's, um, it's going to be a nice time to get together. You know, we can all sit down and break bread and, and the people that can break bread with us as well, the people on the ship that, that, that are coming to see us, the fans, they can sit down next to us while we're having dinner because we're all going to be having uh, a breaking bread in the same place. And they can sit down and ask us about our lives, what's been going on. We can talk to them about their lives. You know, it's going to be fun. We can get a lot of feedback from people. And I want that because we're in the middle of doing a new album. So I want to get more feedback as to where they are. So it kind of helps me construct the music along with the other guys. So, you know, we're looking forward to this all, uh, to, to sit down and talk to a lot of good people. Please come back to the show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you, William. Thank you very much. I look forward to that. You bet. You be brilliant today, okay, sir? All right. You too. Take care. Thank you. Road races to off-road races. Man, we love to move things fast in this country. Well, there's a brand new DVD and a hookup on iTunes for you that you got to get. It's called Born to Race Fast Track. Sterling's right, you know. If we don't get it together, we might as well walk now. There's two spots available here, and there's no reason that we can't win them both. Are you in? Every year we get over 3,000 applicants from all around the world. We pick only eight. We'll have to pass each and every class requirement as a team. If one of you fails, you both fail. Konnichiwa. Dude, I'm from Iowa. (laughs) See, drag racing is for fast cars. Road racing, that's for fast drivers. Our friends at the World Racing Team are scouting for new drivers. The top two students from this class will be back here driving for Lucas Oil Cup. I had nothing to do with it. Don't you get it? That's exactly your problem. You're trying to mess with me so that you can stay ahead. You guys aren't a team. They're a couple of wrecking balls playing last man standing. You're going to have to bring your A-game. I'm here to win, even if I have to drag you along with me. You're the one who's dead weight. You just don't know it yet. He's cute. Your girlfriend. We have a passion for racing. Very few people understand. on my lap times, he would kick my...
It's like watching dogs fighting for scrap. This baby's got lots of thrills. 150 miles per hour. It's inspiring. It's thrilling. Exciting. Compelling. Man, if you love any kind of racing, you're going to love putting this inside your DVD player or just hooking up on iTunes. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Corbin Burnson. Man, your movie. This is Charlotte, North Carolina, home of the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Everything about this film is what we live every day in this town. Right. I know going to hit home there and it's a it's a wonderful thing in in this film i mean for real race enthusiasts you know i've been talking to people around the country but you know where there's real racing the the i think the landmark of this film is that it's the real stuff you know it's there's no cgi nothing faked i mean everything done was done and cameras out in the on the tracks in the cars um so it's exciting in that way it's it's uh you know, it's got a, if anybody remembers the movie of Le Mans, <clears throat> kind of reminds me of that. You know, it's just this real, real camera work uh, with real racing. And what's so fascinating is that, is that it, even though Charlotte is known for NASCAR, that Le Mans racing, there are schools here in the Charlotte area. So when you talk about it's authentic, your character in this movie, as I watched you, I know those people and they talk the language that you were speaking. So did you take lessons? No, I didn't. But I think, you know, because the filmmakers are... are they come from racing and they do race some of the, you know, the, the, one of the producers and the writers, uh, they, they know the language. They, they, they live in that world, you know, and, uh, and, you know, most of this film was shot out at the, at the racetrack, uh, in California here. So you're, you're, you're deep in it. Um, you know, they, they did their homework, but I don't know if it's even homework cause they're in that world as well. So, uh, you know, me personally, no, I didn't. But in 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 this case, it didn't really matter to me because I looked at what I had to do, and I think the message that I had is something I understand from different areas in my life. It's about family, and it's about teamwork, um, and uh, you know, I, I guess a lot of people who watch racing think, oh, he's you know, he's Jeff Gordon. It doesn't, you know, it, it's they they forget there's a whole team that makes that guy that guy. There's there's no um, better team than a race know, car team. I think it's known a little bit more today, but it's it's not just the pit crew that's changing their tires and you know, it's it's just a deep, deep teamwork. Um, that we don't see. I mean, in golf, I, you know, I, I even understand there. Yeah, sure, it looks like it's Tiger Woods, you know, but it's it's a team behind people that even in the individual sports, tennis, you know, it's teamwork. Even when they're at the end of the at the end of the race, they're sitting there thanking every one of these people that were a part of it because they realize that none of it would have happened if one player would have stepped away from that team. Yeah, absolutely. And the same thing happens, you know, in acting. You know, we you always see guys get their, you know, the Academy Awards, guys, girls, whatever. Thank you. They think their team. They think their agents, managers, producers, directors. Because you know something? There's very, I don't know. I, I don't even think climbing Everest is without a team. You know? It's certainly not. Your Sherpas and all that. And it, there's really nothing that is terribly, terribly, completely individual in this world. And, um... And if you want to go to the bigger metaphor, you know, given all the crap that's going on around the world right now, it's going to take teamwork, you know, to to clean things up. I mean, teamwork is what it's about, family, teamwork, community. Those are the basic foundations of life. And I think when you operate outside of it, you you look like 
you're a hero, a solo explorer. But the, the truth is, I don't think those people achieve much. See, what so. this what this world needs is a movie that you're starring in where you are the leader of a team that goes into one of these countries and straightens things up because you're acting, guy. I don't know how you can sway back and forth, but when you deliver a line, we feel that line. Well, that's nice you just saying that. I appreciate it. What What is <laughs> no, it that... Very, because, I mean, I, you, you have been... Go ahead. A, I, I, go ahead sorry. I was going to say, you've been a great good guy, a really good good guy, a funny guy, and yet, and then when you watch yourself in this movie, there's leadership all over that character, and, and you find yourself really, truly believing what you're doing in Fast Track. Well, you know, at this point in my life, I've got four sons, and, and you know, I better be a leader around here. You know, at least the best I can. Um, and, uh, you know, as I teach my kids, you know, it, you just try to do it in a certain... It's, you know, I never teach my kids anything, just do it because that's the way it's supposed to be done or that's just the law, you know. Don't do this because that's the law. Well, it's a law for a reason, you know, and I try to reason things out. Um, yeah, just because something's on the books, we don't do this, you know. You don't drive more than 25 to a school area well it's a law and you don't do it because of that because you don't want to take it but there's a bigger reason it's because kids are crossing the street you know you i try to get down to the fundamentals of why things are in the way they work and quite frankly in my case in my kids i teach them through my mistakes i say look you know i got here i got here a little bit late because i did this you know um and do you and, think, uh, do you think that, certain rules of living? Do you think that's the reason why a lot of critics said that you shaped the future of Hollywood because you became that person that everybody had to become? Maybe, maybe. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I just, um, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. I just, I just do my thing, and I don't put a lot of what do a, a lot of people think about me about it. Um, you know, I know lately, you know, being a, a guy who's been married for 25 years, 26 years, I've been making faith-based movies that are exploring my faith, which as I get older, seems to want to take a deeper foothold in my life. Um, you know, I just do my thing and I do what feels real and true and experienced. And, you know, people say things about it one way or the other. And I try not to listen to too much of that. I just try to stay true to what I know and feel. What's and, uh, you know, that's that's really the, you know, what I operate on. The marketing on Born to Race Fast Track is brilliant because not everybody is going to the movie theater, but you guys have made this available on DVD and you've made it available on iTunes. That right there says we're in touch with the new generation. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's great. I You know, it's wonderful to go to the movie theater. I love going to movies. I love being a part of movies that are in movie theaters. But, you know, I, I have a company that's called Home Theater Films. Part of the reason I named it that is because everybody's got their flat screens now with surround sounds in their homes. And, you know, it, you know, sometimes it's nice just to sit with your family or sit by yourself in your house and sit in your home theater, you know, um, and and watch, you know, watch a movie. Um I mean, look, one thing I've never been too deeply involved in is where we watch our movies because you know, people are watching. I mean, the new iPhone comes out with a five-inch screen now, so people are going to be watching movies on their iPhone, I'm sure. Um, you know, the, my, my, my instinct has always been to make the film, make the story work. And to me, look, it's great to go to a movie theater. I love it. I went to the movies last night. 
you know, I love going into a movie theater and watching it with everybody else, but stories what's important, you know, whether it's on your iPhone or in IMAX, you know, uh, story is what, what carries. It doesn't matter how big it is in IMAX, if the story ain't good, it ain't going to work. Um, so story is always important. That's again, I focus on the story. It goes back to what I said a moment ago. You know, well, we kids. we love the story. idea that you're doing the faith-based movies because you know there are so many different ways to spread the word of God, and through you guys, we learn a new journey. And and it's just it's fabulous that 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 you have given yourself the opportunity to be that guy that that basically we live through vicariously. Yeah, you know, I, and I've got a, I did, to do a little bit of a plug. I've got a film coming out um, October 10th. I think it's. Uh, you know, in several markets around the country, uh, in theaters initially, Phoenix being one of them, uh, Phoenix and Atlanta and Nashville, I think, and Denver and Houston to start, um, called Christian Mingle. It's a romantic comedy about the, you know, the, about the dating website, Christian Mingle. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it is something that I've moved into. Uh, and, again, it's it's... I have a sort of a, a goal here. I hate to say an agenda because sometimes that sounds bad, but there, you know, there's, I, I want people to explore faith who necessarily don't explore faith. I'm not really preaching to the choir, as it were, although my films are obviously wonderful for Christians and, uh, and others. Um, but um, it's just that I think the world needs to explore faith a little bit more, you know, uh, in general. I think kids do sort of abandon faith. Um, and it played such a role. It's played such a role in our history and in our goodness and our community. I think it's just to re-explore it a bit uh, is important to me. So I try to make films that don't necessarily hit you over the head, but you know, sort of open up the question. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Bruno and Christy Lee from Garage Squad. Carol, what's up? Hey, morning. hey, what's going on, you two? Congratulations on another season of Garage Squad. Thank you. Thank you very much. Do you think we'll ever run into that day where there are no longer any dusty, rusty, stalled-out cars? <laughs> no. Hopefully not for our case. <laughs> not because you guys are really putting a lot of excitement into why we should be preserving our cars and not just you know getting them for three years and then dumping them for a brand new one. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Like making the car cool again. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, I, I, I'll never forget, my, my first car was an AMX, and, and the way that you guys rebuild and, and put these cars back together, I, it's just one day I would love to have that feeling where, where you sit in that front seat and then you relive it in the moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what cars are all about. It's all about, like, the memories, the experience, the, the, the drive time with family, with friends, the places that you go with the car. It's not just about the car. I mean, the car's, you know, got to look good along the way. But it's the journey that you take the car through with your friends and family. Yeah, it's reliving those moments that were something special to you. And uh, it's crazy because people have such an emotional attachment to cars. I know I do, and it's it's great to interact with people on a regular basis that have those same attachments to it because there's such an emotional connection. And uh, to see them relive that connection when they drive out to all the family and friends is, is truly a great moment. So is that part of the show prep then also before you guys start refurbishing a car is that you've got to get the history of it and what this car meant to that person? It's part of the vetting process really is the story because the story is as big as the car itself. I mean, you know, a lot of people we're trying to help out are people who sometimes fall on hard times, whether it be financially or, um, you know, physically uh, as well as um, emotionally. You know, they get to a point in their life where they're a hard time and they, this car meant something to them. And so to bring it back is bringing back to a part of their life that, was a better time for them. So it's, uh, it's an uplifting experience all the way around. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what Zillow is all about. It's all about the, the story of the car, the story of the vehicle, and how that has impacted the owner of that car. And, you know, a lot of these cars that we're working on have been sitting for decades. They don't know what to do with it. They're going to sell it. And, and, you know, we come in and, and we help refurbish this car and get it back out on the road and get the owner back behind the wheel. Now, what is it like for you guys? I mean, like you just, you just talked about that, you know, it takes decades for people to, to meet back up with the car. But yet within one hour, we've met the, 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 uh, the people, we've met the car, it's all back together again. It, it's, like, it's like time flies by fast enough. You guys really make it fly by. Uh, I'd like to say that it, it flew by that quickly when we're in the garage actually working on these, but it does take a span of uh, seven days to really complete these projects. And, of course, you know, we do a little due diligence before getting there uh, with parts, et cetera, and, of course, the story behind the vehicle that we're working on. But once we get in there and get in the garage, I mean, it's rip and tear, ready to go, start working on this thing and do as much as we can in the shortest amount of time as possible to get this car back on the road. You know, sometimes it goes over really, really smoothly, and, Sometimes it doesn't, but that's part of our job is to pull it off. Honestly, more often than not, it doesn't go very smoothly. We'll have maybe one instance smoothly. We usually get burned somewhere else. I mean, <laughs> the problem, the, the reality is, is we don't know really what we're walking into. I mean, the cars have been looked at before. We've had a chance to buy parts, but we haven't stripped them down. We really haven't a chance to dig into the problems why this car's been sitting stuck in a ditch for the last, you know, six years. It's like a vehicle we just found out, <laughs> and, uh, and and there's a reason why that car was sitting there and stuck. And it, sometimes it takes a while to divulge those uh, the problems and to diagnose the stuff that's gone on. And we're coming in the middle of a build. It's not like we saw the beginning, middle, and end, and we just uh, have to try and sort it out as we can. You talk about buying those parts. How did you buy a part for a 1949 Mercury when I had to junk my Isuzu Amigo because they ran out of parts? That's what makes part of this show and this process so difficult is, is finding parts. And uh, like I said, a lot of times we don't know what we need until we're halfway into a build. And it can get very expensive. We've actually sent one year, we sent a guy on the road to uh, Cincinnati to pick up a cylinder head for a Triumph because that was the only way we can get it back in time. Um, and that's just the reality of the world we play in. What do you mean? You can't just run to your like local auto store and pick up parts? So- we're talking about the new season of Garage Squad. What is the classic car that collectors are really reaching for these days? Is, is it always going to be the Mustang? I'm a Chevy guy, so I'm going to say it's always going to be a 68 or 69 Camaro. That's a safe I mean, that's really hard to say of a collector car market, kind of like across the board. And, you know, to speak to that, you know, people are really, really diehard for their specific manufacturer. You know, Bruno, you're a Chevy guy. You're always going to be a Chevy guy. You know, people are Mopar people. You know, they're they're diehard. Right. And it's just, that's just kind of how it goes. You know, Mustang's the same way. People are Gen 1 diehard Mustang fans, you know. But then people who like Gen 1 might not like the current Gen. So it's kind of kind of over the board. I think that there's such a vast variety of, of automobilia over decades and decades. Like, it's hard to say that there's just one particular car that really stands out. Garage Squad is on the, is on the flat screen. Do you guys do any podcasts or anything like that for those that are always on the go? Um, not me, personally. Um, I'm really, really active on social media, so Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with that, videos, photos, all the fun stuff. Always trying to kind of keep it interactive for the, for the fans so that when they watch the show, they can kind of tune in on social media, maybe feel a little bit more like inside. And some of the fun set shenanigans that we have, too, of course. Chrissy's really good at that, and she's really busy. That is no joke. I'm trying to learn her, but she does a great job keeping everybody looped in via social media, and you've always got the Motortron app, too, if you want to uh, check out what's going on with Garage Squad. Well, congratulations on a brand-new season, guys. Come out to the show anytime in the future. The door's always going to be open for you. Thank you so much.
Thanks for, thanks for having us on this morning. Be brilliant today, guys.